0: Conversations. On uh, this episode, it's one of my favorites. to have opportunity to catch up with uh, friends that I either knew from my college and or from my childhood, you know, just to see how they're currently doing, see what's going on, and to uh, see how they're coping during this uh, pandemic. So for this particular episode, I had the opportunity to catch up with um, Nikita and uh, talk about how she's doing during the pandemic and also to see what's going on with the work she's doing within the community. So check it out. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to the uh, Carter Podcast. And uh, today I have a special guest with me. Um, I have uh, Nikita with me. <laughs> hey, how you doing Nikita? Hey, how you doing? I doing pretty good. Uh, Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. I appreciate you. Oh yeah, no, no, no problem, no problem. Uh, So the key to you know this podcast is something that I thought about uh, thought about doing. It was kind of birthed during this uh, pandemic, and um, I try to bring in people that I know, um, and we just talk about uh, you know how's everybody doing during the pandemic, and also. Uh, just different ways that people are coping through through it. So what what has your experience been during this uh, pandemic? It's been almost about a year now. So how how have you been coping uh, with everything uh, during this time?
1: Well, you know, I will say in the beginning of this thing, I was struggling um, very much. Um, I am not a person who likes to stay home. I pretty much um, am home to sleep, um, to wash my tail, and and, you know, to relax every now and again. Um, So it was kind of like one of these things where they were saying everything was shut down, and you can't congregate, and all of those different things that really affected me um, at first, because I like to be out and about, and I like to be with, you know, people. Um, so at first it was, it was difficult for me because even though, yes, you have all the technology out here to do the video calls, I am definitely a person that's about in-person interaction, um, because it's just not the same. Um, yeah, you can see somebody when you video call them or whatever, but me personally, I'm not really a phone person. So it's kind of like, I'm not a person that stays on the phone posted up all day. Like I'm that type of person that's like, hey, what you doing? You try and meet up, you know, and that's the end of that and prefer to share my experience in person. So it was difficult at first. Um, I live alone as well. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, also single. So just kind of reiterating, um, being alone all the time. And I and I feel like um You know, and I I definitely, for one, like my alone time, but at the same time, I like to be around people too. Um, So it was difficult at first. So I had to find things that kind of mellowed me out and not made me feel so crazy um, while it was going on. And I think I've adjusted, Um, you know, when I do feel like I'm in a place where I feel like I need to see something other than my four walls I will go out um, whether it's taking a walk or whether it's um, different folks who I've you know, congregated and got with throughout this pandemic Um, you know, and now that restaurants are open some places, I'll go to a restaurant or two you know, just to kind of break up the monotony of The new normal, as we like to call it. So, um, it's just been different things. I've been trying to find um, hobbies that I once loved that I necessarily didn't have as much time for, such as reading and things like that. Um, I listen to a lot of music. I think I listen to more music than I do watch TV. So, um, just, you know, getting in a place of peace and comfort and, you know, trying to make the best of it.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So Nikita, there was a study that came out, right? And it said that uh, my uh, supervisor actually uh, shared this with me, right? And mm-hmm. it says uh, since the pandemic, this came out in uh, December 2020, it says uh, since the uh, pandemic, one out of six people have sought out mental health services. Um, so just, you know, with, with that, uh, what do what, what you think about that when, you know, one out of six people have sought out some type of like mental health services since this pandemic? Um, I don't know, What you kind of get out of that to the study?
1: Well, I, I definitely think that, you know, a lot of people may be probably feeling like, you know, depending on the situation, um, that, hey, I need something other than just my day to day and what I'm used to day to day. I mean, because, like I said, I, one of the things that I, you know, really, really got in tune with was. I live alone, so by living alone, it's like, nobody's in here but you, like, I'm in here with me and my thoughts and that's it. Whereas somebody else, you know, who may have a family, they may have kids running around, going crazy or whatever the case may be. So we all have our reasons where we need to just break from the constant, oh my goodness, factor. Yeah. So these people are starting to realize and, and now that mental health is more in the forefront as well because, you know, now you got celebrities and, you know, all these different people, like, you know, promoting mental health, mental health, your peace, all that stuff. I think it makes people more comfortable to realize that, hey, I don't have it all together. And, hey, I do need a little help <laughs> outside of, you know, praying and... Meditation and all of that stuff. I need I need something else to break up um, to break up what it is that I'm trying to do. So I think it's very it's probably more than one of six because let's be real this pandemic I think is driving us all
0: <laughs> up is. the wall. So yeah.
1: um yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely man um, and, I, and I definitely can agree with you 100%. It was. I like being out, but I honestly like being in the house. And so, being told what to do um, for me was an adjustment as well. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's something I never, you know, dealt with and experienced. You know, living here in America, so it definitely wasn't an mm-hmm. adjustment period for me. And I think another thing, like kind of what you were saying, you know, just you know, living alone. Um, but you know, when you can't have those distractions or go out, you know, go go to Bowden Alley or go roller skating um you know a lot of the, those unconscious unconscious thoughts or situations you know come to our conscious and you know sometimes mm-hmm. when you can't handle distractions it's kind of just to deal with it's kind of tough or um, you know to deal with those thoughts that we might have buried or not necessarily yeah, really. uh you know dealt with so all that stuff about coming back all at once so i mm-hmm. can definitely see how you know that could contribute to you know people seeking out the uh, mental health um services as well hmm um so yeah that's good so also uh I also you know that you uh have you seen this movie uh Judas and the black messiah have you seen that movie
1: yes i did oh,
0: okay 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 i did a little <laughs> breakdown of that what you, what you think about that movie did you like it <laughs> what's your thoughts
1: i mean it you know i i was not super familiar with the Fred Hampton um story yeah i remember when i was super small seen Eyes on the Prize. I don't think I saw Eyes on the Prize, the second one, which is where the guy Bill was featured on. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, when I think of, when I think of, you know, um, the concept and what happened, I mean, it happens all the time, right? Like, you know, you look at people that are really trying to build Community, you know, especially when you have like African Americans um, and if you have other African Americans, right, that are selling, you know, they've been promised <laughs> X, Y, and Z, or, you know, and I feel like the government um, uses their ways of doing things to divide and, and conquer, in a sense. And especially back then, because let's be real, like we all know the government was all up and involved in a lot of the demise of a lot of the great leaders of that time Um due to because they didn't want black people to, you know, have that way of building each other up and creating something, you know, because that would have been too much for them. And I think the system still kind of does that Um today. You know, um, I think they have a more subtle way of doing it, but I think they they still do that now. Like, they don't necessarily, may not have informants per se, or maybe they do, but now it's through, you know, through politics or through, you know, or through us trying to elevate in careers and jobs or through education, you know. Mm. Um, They do it in other ways now, but it was an unfortunate story. And the fact that the guy shot himself (laughs) right after the documentary was aired really showed you he carried that guilt with him for so many years
0: because he knew he was wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. That was a... uh... And they were so young, too. I mean, I think um, uh, Bill, the guy William, was like 19 or 20. And then um, the gentleman, Fred, was about 21
1: yeah
0: um so yeah that was uh that was definitely uh yeah it was real interesting real interesting story man but uh how they infiltrate the government infiltrated the uh you know that movement and all mm-hmm. and all fred really was doing was just feeding you know school age um you know right kids stuff. <laughs> right he wasn't right doing, he yeah.
1: like at the end of the day i feel like you know the black panther party was labeled as this terrorist group as this hate group, but it wasn't. All they wanted to do was provide basic services to black people. That's all they wanted to do.
0: Yeah.
1: That was the whole intent of the black, you know, and I'm not a, a black uh, Panther scholar, but I did know prior to watching the movie that their intent, their true intent, was to just provide services and programs to black people.
0: Hmm. yeah so let me ask you this um so again you know this shows all this podcast is all about you know self-improvement and helping people to uh to cope with uh life stressors how did you deal with like not being emotionally triggered by this particular movie because again like like we just talked about how you know black panthers was just in response to you know um an oppressed people you know wanting to make sure that you know people that look like them are being taken care of i also think they um they made it a law or they did something where they had a stop sign so um in different communities um that there would be stop signs and stuff like that um and also like i said with the food program and then they were just you know killed for infiltrating and killed in the um just because they was trying to um you know protect the black community like how do you mm-hmm. how did you fight against, how do you fight against like not getting emotionally triggered by the stuff or upset by what we might see about how people look like you know you and i how we could be treated in America? Like, how do you not get yourself uh, emotionally triggered or upset by it?
1: Um. Well, it, I mean, I guess I'm not not emotionally triggered. I think, at some in some way or shape, we are emotionally triggered because we are black people, and we probably figure, well, you know, that could have easily been us. One and two, this didn't happen that long ago. Like, yeah. you know, this happened like in our parents' lifetime. So. If you just go back a generation, this stuff was happening. So I don't think, I I, I think that now we find a way, I don't know if compartmentalize is the word I'm looking for, but we find a way to kind of like, not just put it to the side and not care, but it's like we are moving forward type of thing. So it's like you can't really get I don't want to say so upset, but it's kind of like, you know, because we all see, you know, the images of people getting killed, even now in our generation. But I think you just find a way to cope. Um, You find a way to deal with it. I don't think there's no real solution in being able to master that. You just find ways to cope with. That's the reality, unfortunately, in this country. And if you are black, you know you know good and well that you don't have to be a gang banger you don't have to be you know uneducated or whatever to not be a victim you can easily be a victim no matter what your status is or who you are or what you know because that's just the reality of being in the country.
0: Yeah. Got you, man. That's well said. Well said. So, you you do a lot of stuff in the community as well. Um, How how, how has your experience been working within the uh, community? Doing community service work?
1: Well, it's kind of like a love or hate relationship because ultimately you want people to support what you're doing because you know what you're doing is not for the betterment of you, Mm. it's for the betterment of others. And so sometimes, you know, that kind of where I just feel not upset, but disappointed if I have a lack of support. Hmm. Um, especially when I see people, you know, on IG supporting things that are the dumbest things to support. The dumbest things to like Promote and to share and to, you know, help the cause with. I mean, let's be real the gorilla glue girl, like, okay. (laughs) I'm happy that she got her hair, you know, her glue out her hair and all of that stuff. But why are we giving so much focus and attention to stupidity when we could be? Paying that same attention to people that's actually doing stuff to really uplift and better communities, you know.
0: Especially on Black History Month, they
1: had to put that girl out there. Right, to, exactly. the And it's no shame. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean or yeah. whatever. Just call the thing a thing. Of it was stupid. Yeah. Okay. There's no other. It was stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Anybody in their right mind would know that Gorilla Glue is not used as a hair product. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Okay? <laughs>
0: That's what she, what she was
1: thinking. But, but we gave so much attention to this. Like, mm. we're sharing this. We're, you know, oh my God, I need, I need to know more. When it's people out here that are foot to the ground, like really trying to do real stuff mm. and really trying to impact lives in a positive way, And not only to just give people things, but to give them knowledge so that they can be self-sufficient, you know, so that they can um, have a better quality of life. You know what I'm saying? Um, So the so the current thing right now that I had going on was um, with my mentor, Adrian, um, the the resume class. The resume class was twenty five dollars. Most resume writers will charge you anywhere from $300 to $500 to do a resume. And here you got people that's trying to put on a class for $25. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody wants to do it. But yet everybody, but yet you get people in the DM saying, can you do my resume, sis? Can you give me tips? Yeah. But it's just like... But, you know, I just saw on Treyon, you know, IG, people in Southeast in Ward 8, they're standing in line for shoes. <laughs> you yeah,
0: know, nah, I, I saw it too. I saw it too.
1: And I'm just like, <laughs> is, but if we put that same energy, yeah. mm. while you're spending $220 for a pair of Jordans, you could be putting that into getting your resume together and getting a better job and then you won't have to be on section eight you see what i'm saying and it's just so kind of like... so what frustrates me with the community sometimes is yes the community screams, we need better services we need people that's going to help us out but it's like for some you don't even mean it like Cause you want to invest your time and your money into foolishness
0: know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and, and you know i i used to give <laughs> i used to do like a lot of um uh, mentoring a lot of uh um you know giving back and you know food food pantries and um even um did you know something called kids across america and uh um, mm-hmm. even even um, doing Worked doing mentoring in uh, in DC, and even worked with um, you know places like some, and um, even did like a a tutoring within a community. And Mm -hmm. you know one of the things I found is like yeah, it's kind of like it's yeah, you just can get burned out easily, you know, just from doing it because again, you know, you know you don't you don't really get you know no thanks for it, and um, it's kind of like a lack of support within mm-hmm. within a community for it. But also, I mean, it's just kind of, I ain't gonna say depressing, but it's just kind of be unfortunate because again, kind of like you said, and kind of like what the Trey On White video ho- highlighted was that, you know, I'm not talking down to nobody, but our priorities, you know, mm-hmm. aren't the same. And I don't know where it come from. It come from upbringing or it could come from socialization. It could come from, you know, the, the music we hear, But a lot of times we're more interested in making the outside look good, but as opposed to doing stuff, uh, you know, that's help us out internally and also stuff that can help us, uh, you know, in the future. That it seems like for whatever reason is a disconnect with a lot of Mm -hmm. with working with people in the community.
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
0: So yeah, (laughs) I'm definitely 100% with you with that. Like sometimes working with trying to do stuff with people within the community.
1: yeah.
0: It could be it could be draining, and also it could be frustrating because again, people aren't necessarily, um, yeah, man, they don't go for what yeah. what's available and stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, um, and I and I guess my frustration too is when I hear people say, "Well, you don't understand because you don't have to," um, you don't understand the struggle and this this and this. I love when people say that to me. Because I'm like, I came from Ward 8 from one of the poorest of poor. (laughs) Like, poor, poor. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, my grandma and I were in um, Southeast and my grandma was on Section 8 the whole time. And so my thing is, you don't have to make your circumstances your story, right? You have a choice or whatever. So it's kind of like, for me, when I was growing up, I saw the worst of the worst. I saw people struggling. I saw how people lived and whatever. And I always told myself that's this is not going to be my story. Mm-hmm. Like I know that there are highly um scholared, um you know psychologists and sociologists that say I'm supposed to end up here based off of, you know, my circumstances and I'm supposed to Have this and I'm supposed to be another statistic, but I refuse to accept that because I didn't want to live that way. Mm. And it was not me feeling like I was better than anybody, but I had lived it. Mm. And so I was like, this can't be this can't be all there is to life, you know. And so I made it my business to say I will never if I can help it be in that situation. So I'm going to do what I have to do. You know, and that's why I feel like all of the things when it when it comes to what you're exposed to, who your friends are, places that you go, all of these things matter and how you shape the person that you want to become.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big prop- uh, proponent on that. Um, you know, exposure is everything, you know. I remember, you know, growing up in, in, in the inner city um, you know, there's this thing called uh, risk risk factors and stuff like that. So, I, my opinion, a lot of you know, black I guess I, let's say black people, you know, we are when we grow up, man, we are filled with different risk factors um, that basically, you know, like living in poverty and um, living with somebody, living with a parent who might have um, who might have a mental health issue or a substance use issue that it or be, you know to being poor it puts us at risk of you know repeating those particular behaviors mm-hmm. and um there's this thing called uh protective factors as well that if we you know if we have certain amount of like supports like let's say uh coping skills social supports like you know high self-esteem and like even though for me it was like the church like having a church who you know who i can see like a pat i could see like a pastor i can see uh a family, a healthy family or, you know, like a, fam, uh, a church saying, you know, they'll pray for you. We even like doing like um, uh, turkey drives or whatever, you know, giving that support that kind of can help different people um, overcome those different risk factors and stuff. But I know that for me, man, um, when I was able to go to like places like PG County and see, uh, you know, families and different <laughs> people that look like me own houses and even like big houses, especially like, in you know, Marlboro that kind of really, um you know, spoke volumes to me to know that you know it's more than life than what I see within you know my my surroundings, you know. And like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that exposure really really helped out a lot because yeah, if you can't see it or you know, it's one thing about hearing about it, but just to be able to just see it and to see, mm-hmm. it, see it be played out by people that might look like you, or just to even just see that it exists can motivate you know someone and definitely did it you know for me as well to say okay look i don't necessarily have to do the things that i might see other people doing if i want to live a better life or different life i can do it because i've seen it um you know being done um, from other people and stuff so yeah i definitely understand I agree with that man that you know that exposure you know get getting out you know getting your kids out or your you know your cousins out or if you have any um you know goddaughters or godsons, you know getting them out of their community different environments to see different different things to expose them to it is um mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh, definitely key man and um yeah man you know this this, <laughs> this generation man it, it's, it's challenging again kind of like what we talked about because it, people are not necessarily taking the initiative to make you know to make things happen or even taking advantage of the different resources that's out here uh for them and i think it's definitely mm-hmm. you know definitely um sad and um and uh, i think it speaks, speaks volumes to you know to the to the future um, so do you think do you think like, um, like that's your passion I guess like give it back to the community and stuff
1: oh yeah it definitely is um, a passion of mine I always said if I became super rich you know that I, my thing would probably be um, fundraising and, and philanthropy mm-hmm. um, that would be just my main thing Um, because I love doing it because I understand, you know, and I, and I said this, um, at at my job, um, for, um, it's this program that I'm in and, um, we instruct leader leadership on different, you know, values and everything. And so I remember the question he asked was, why did we want to be a part of this program? And one of the things I said, and I think it's just attached to my passion overall, is I just want to help somebody. Because I remember, you know, when I was in the trenches and trying to make a life out of what cards that I had been handed. And it was hard. It was challenging. And even though I'm at a place in life where I'm like, okay, now life is starting to pick up the way that I always envisioned it. To be, But I started from literally nothing. And I never thought that I would get to this place that I am right now. But I remember the struggle and I remember how hard that was. Because for me, I didn't have, quote unquote, a plethora of resources to help me out. I literally, you know, put myself out there. When I meet people, I would latch on to them if they saw potential in me. I latched on to them and I and I listened, right? When they were giving me advice, Nikita, you should do this versus that, or it may be helpful for you to do that. Like I, I took on to that because I didn't have mentors growing up. I didn't have, you know, fancy programs to help me elevate. You know, I had to figure it out um, myself. And so it was kind of like one of those things where, you know, if you have someone that can give you the tools You know i mean use your resources right (laughs) like because it's hard trying to get out here in the world put putting yourself out there and trying to gather everything for yourself when you got here a group of people that can provide all the resources you know that you need and they're just like here it's so much easier and not saying that you shouldn't have to work for anything because i think in that struggle it makes me appreciate and I value right you know things that I have because I work so hard but at the same time it's just like can you imagine you know being a teenager and still having to go to school but then you have no money so it's like basic things like deodorant underwear whereas most teenagers are like oh my parents got that No, like I had to fund that stuff myself. Mm. So I had to figure out with my little part-time job that was making like 5.65 an hour, (laughs) Mm -hmm. figure out, oh, am I gonna go to prom or am I gonna buy some underclothes? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's kind of like if you have, you know, somebody that's available and that's willing, to help you and to give you the tools to be successful and successful could be whatever it is you envision successful to be, you know, then use your resources. Like it will save you a ton of grief.
0: Yeah. <laughs> got You, you. know? Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Got yeah, nah man, I think it's uh, you know, great that you are able to find something that you're, you know I me mean, passionate about because a lot of people don't necessarily get to, you know, to find that. Uh, mm-hmm. you know for whatever, whatever reason it you know just could be life circumstances or you know they just don't you know whatever reason don't necessarily uh, you know find it but I think that's uh, you know definitely awesome um, but we want to uh, go ahead and uh, wrap up is there anything else you want to uh, you know share with the listening audience before we before we uh, before we leave No,
1: nope, I think this was a great right conversation
0: got you man alright Nikita <laughs> thanks for coming on
1: alright thank you
0: Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Again, I'm the host, uh, Carter, for the Carter podcast. And like I said before, this is one of my favorite episodes to do, and that's have uh, conversations, bring in friends, and just kind of see how they're coping during the uh, pandemic and also see what they currently have going on. And uh, I really like this one, man. We just talked about helping out in the community and making sure we have um, priority street uh, exposure. And also one of the things that stuck out is that if you're following your passion, it's not going to feel like you're working at all. And that's one of the ways to combat that uh, burnout. So until next time, peace.